You and I did a short pilot. You played my father. Yeah. And you yeah. yelled at me in the driveway. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you were unavailable to do the series. I was. Yeah, unbelievable. You were doing, uh, you were doing theater. Yeah. You had a theater run of something. It was not the FDR thing. It was something Grace, else. Grace in New York. Yes. How did that go? Oh, it was very well, except a fucking hurricane hit. And they, then that was it? No, it kicked the shit out of business for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But we were on a limited run anyway. Do you love doing theater more than anything else? No. <laughs> it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work. And, and there are a lot of conditions that... Uh, uh, I seem to solve filmic conditions more easily than I do theatrical problems. Well, you've been doing the FDR thing for a long time, right? Four years. Four years. I'm uh, I'm about to launch into a new one-man show, though, that we tried out at the Falcon Theater last Friday. Went very well. What was that one? Well, Ed Weinberger, yeah. uh, um, uh, producer, writer of... Well, one of them, of uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show, wrote this um, semi-autobiographical one-man show uh -huh. called A Man and His Prostate. <laughs> About himself? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a comedy. It's light, but it's also very instructive. About your prostate. Mm-hmm. So this is a, we, we learn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to get that thing checked. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you you gotta find out the best way to keep yourself stroked. Yes, yeah, yeah. stroked mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and stoked. Uh huh. So when you do FDR, was it was that a personal fascination? Yeah. Was he your guy? He was my guy. Has there been any other? I don't. I, I'm I'm younger than you, so I have very little recollection. I have I have very uh, vague memories of Nixon, and then and then I sort of remember things, and then I remember getting angry. Then that was <laughs> right. And you've been angry ever since. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I try to. I, I try not to get too uh, too too attached to that. I'm angry anyways. Yeah. With or without politics. Well, I I, I sulk. You do. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of sulking. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No yelling. No, well, who's gonna who's gonna listen? Well, did you used to yell more? No, I well, I I talk loudly now. I'm naturally a little hard of hearing. Right. Last night we were at a uh, benefit at the um, club Nokia. Yeah. And um, my son and I, Matthew, he's executive or, or creative director for Autism Speaks, and we were both being honored mm -hmm. by um, Autism Works now. Mm -hmm. And Temple Grandin was there, mm. and uh, she was the the big guest. And uh, they, she was lined up with a bunch of people on the red carpet, and I decided to really play it up like a clown. I went and stood right in front of her, pressing her with my bulk, uh -huh. and um, blocking her from view of anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I then spoke loudly. Mm -hmm. And being autistic, she winced visibly in pain. Mm -hmm. And I realized what a schmuck I was for doing two things, my presence <laughs> overwhelming her and my voice wincing her. And I thought, being the father of, a, of an autistic son and grandfather of an autistic grandson, I, I committed two of the most cardinal, cardinal sins you could with an autistic person. 
getting too close, overwhelming them with your bulk, and talking too loudly. See, because but your first impulse was to be funny. Yeah, yeah. And then you learned your lesson right after. Yeah, I I, I played the schmuck last night. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I, I don't feel like that was the first time. Uh, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Am I wrong? I mean, sometimes comedy... No, when I worked with you on your pilot, that's what well, that was his first There you go. That was the I last got thing. it back. Yeah. He, he turned it around. No, but I mean, as a funny person, sometimes, I mean, sometimes you, you don't realize it you, when you go through the first impulse. Yeah. And then it's just sort of like, oh, shit. But, you know, when you're known as a clown in yeah. certain aspects, people tend to forgive you. Uh, much more than if you weren't regarded as a clown. Right. Did Temple Grandin forgive you? Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) After the Wentz? I don't know. She could be harboring the greatest resentment in the world to me today. (laughs) After the Wentz, did she laugh at least? Did she? Nah, no. She she doesn't laugh easily. Yeah, yeah. She's fairly serious, I guess. So, like, how far back do your memories go? You remember FDR. Well, yeah, I remember. I idolized him. When you were a kid. Yeah, he died when I was a sophomore in high school. But like in my my uh, your generation, my my sense of it is is that th- this guy was a guy that really wanted to to help people. Yeah, I think so, and that and, doesn't. And happen. I think he learned along the way. I I don't know that he launched into uh, national prominence. He saw the problems affecting the nation, and everybody else saw the problems, but uh, certainly didn't think that they could. Employ the methods he did, yeah. which was socialistic, yeah. uh, which the American people don't understand. They don't even know how to spell it. Right. Well, they know the word bothers them yeah. for reasons yeah. that are that are not clear to them. They get it confused with communism. Yes. You know? they, they really do. So where were you at that time? Did you grow up in a, in a socialist background as, no, a, as no, a Jewish my, guy? My father was, was a junkman. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where? Mm-hmm. Kansas City, Kansas. How'd you end up in Kansas City, Kansas? I mean, Why I'm a Jew. Ask him. I, he, he probably told you. I'm a Jew. I grew up in New Mexico. People were like, when did that happen? How did you get there? Well, there, there were ancient Jews there with the conquistadores. Sure. Oh, with the uh, oh, from the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, the the conversos. Yeah. That they didn't realize they were Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hell of a story. They got they got they got uh, Morgan Davids on their tombstones. Right. Right. Yeah. They like light, light candles on Friday night. Right. But yeah. they didn't they didn't know they were Jewish. They thought they were no, some no. weird part of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. It is. It is. But how did you, you don't know how your dad ended up there? Was he first generation, obviously? Well, no, I I think he ended up there like anybody ended up there. Uh, He worked a year in the sweatshops in Boston. Mm -hmm. After he he immigrated? Yeah. And um, my mother was starting to get ripe. Uh And uh, my dad came courting and um, he wooed and won her. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And how many kids in the family? Five. That's five of you. How many are around? I got a brother alive. Uh huh. He's six years older. Oh wow! How old are you today? Eighty-five. Pretty good. Oh yeah! Watch me leap this table. Yeah. I, uh, <gasps> oh my God! You made it. I'm sorry. I broke your floor. That's okay. It was worth it. So when did you? Uh, how how religious was the household? Very orthodox. So you wore a yarmulke? Hey, well, I caught no hell no. I call it Midwestern Orthodox. Yeah. Because my dad didn't walk to shul. Right. He, he drove. Right. But he didn't smoke on Shabbos 
and um, we had a kosher house. You did? Oh, yeah. Two pans, two plates, two sinks, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that? Not two sinks. No, no, we didn't have two sinks. But separate plates. Separate plates. It seemed like a big hassle after a certain point to keep a kosher home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's, you know... How nice they have all the rigidity so that you got something to break away from. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to look at mm-hmm. it. And did, what were you doing when you were a, a kid? Did you do jobs before you? I delivered for a, uh, I got my Schwinn bike. Yeah. My first job was delivering for a drugstore. Yeah. That was up a long goddamn hill. And... Um, <clears throat> uh, a Schwinn was not a fleet bike. Sure. So I was given an order to uh, deliver a, a whole bag full of, like a newspaper bag, yeah, of beer. Yeah, uh, the, this dog store sold beer. Uh huh. So I pedaled down the hill to this house, and um, I happened to make, and they gave me. Uh, a bunch of empties to bring back, yeah. which I had to pump up the hill. Not anticipating. No. <laughs> and I said, my, it, it just, you know, I thought it was strange that uh, there were closer drugstores. How come you, you, you didn't deal with them? Yeah. When I got back after puffing up that hill, the long hill, three assistant managers were waiting for me in their white coats said, what the hell did you say to that person? I said, oh, I just, just said, uh, there are closer drugstores. Don't ever do that again. I don't know how much longer I lasted that drugstore, but it wasn't long. <laughs> You'd be an honest thing. Yeah, yeah. Screwed the business up. Make me sweat my ass off going up that hill. And when did you decide to, uh, to be uh, an actor? Uh, after I tried out for and got the lead, ended up with the lead, in T.S. Eliot's Murder in a Cathedral in a summer production of the University of Chicago. So you went to the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. What were you studying in? Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were ready to start, you were ready to lead. No, I came in there, I had a vague idea of political science. I knew they were good for political science. I, uh, archaeology, political science. But weren't they on the, wasn't their political science the department at, at, at later, not not the good guys? They were not the good guys. <laughs> not the good guys. Who, who, who was it? George Schultz was there. Well, um, was, uh, right, who was he? Scalia came out of there too, I think. Right, and well, Milton Friedman, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, who was the other, the, the, the architect of the, the badness? Strauss. Oh, oh, yeah. oh I, stu- I studied. Leo Strauss was Yeah, that? yeah. Right. I, I took Social Science 3. With him. Which was mostly economics. Mm-hmm. I didn't pay attention one goddamn day. That's probably good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I auditioned for the play and got the lead. So it really didn't matter to me. Uh-huh. And that was the first time he'd ever acted. Well, other than, you know, synagogue plays and a little plays in school. Did you do Jewish theater? Uh, Did you do Hebrew plays? Well, yeah, I was, you know, Haman. I was was Mordecai. I was all those. So you were always a ham. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And this was the first big production. And, Mm. and, and, And you were working, what was it? I guess it wasn't the 
the theater school, but it was the theater, the troupe, right? They did, yeah. They they were all extracurricular. They, right, right. They didn't have a theater department. And that was what planted the seed where you were like, this is it? Well, I had done radio in high school and loved it. But I thought, you know, it was Kansas City bourgeois. You, yeah. You don't make a living in radio. How do you make a living in radio? Right. Well, they, well, I'm certain the parents were probably like, what are you, what are you thinking? No, I wasn't thinking. I right. Wasn't, uh, so they started a radio station at the dormitory in Chicago. And yeah. I decided to try out for that. I talked to my effete roommate who was from Newark. Uh-huh. And I said, uh, I did radio in high school. Should I try out for this? And he said, well, I don't know. Let me hear you read. <laughs> well, so yeah. they had given me the Song of Songs, uh-huh. beautiful Valenti press of the Song of Songs, he and my other roommate, because they considered me a jock and they, they thought they'd give me something contrapuntal. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, almost a love, it's almost a love uh, poem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh-huh. So uh, he said, let me hear you read. I stood at one end of the room and I read to him. And, of course, they thought I was a jock from Kansas. So they expected to hear a cowboy read. And after I finished, he said, where did you learn to read like that? And I shrugged. So after that, when he uh, came home one day and he said, they're going to do Murder in the Cathedral uh, as a um, summer production. Mm -hmm. Check the book out, read it, read it. uh, You can do any of the roles in it. And I ended up doing Thomas. Were you a jock? I, I played football, you know. So you were a burly guy. You're like a you. You like 180. A, I weighed 180. Yeah. So so did you, you finish college? No, I dropped off because I became an actor. Oh really? Mm-hmm. That was it. How old were you? Nineteen. Nineteen. And where'd you go after that? Where'd you go first? Well, my funds were withdrawn because I'd started an affair with a lady in the chorus at the same time. So between getting sex and, and getting beautiful acting roles. I couldn't pay attention to Leo Strauss, could I? No. And your father said, fuck this? No, no more school. Right. So I came home and I had a couple of jobs, shitty jobs. And um, finally, uh, friends were working on the assembly line at uh, the Buick Oldsmobile Pontiac plant in Kansas City. Yeah. I got a job down there as a polisher buffer. With the machine? Yeah. And it was an open shop plant. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the conditions were brutal, especially for somebody who'd never really worked before. Had to wear a mask? No, no, I, I didn't wear a mask, but you, you're covered in schmutz. Yeah. So I had a Uriah Heap foreman yeah. who liked to pick on me. And <laughs> finally, uh, uh, he traded me off to another foreman, and I got along all right with him. I spent six months there. And in the meantime, uh, friends were coming from Chicago to say, go back to Chicago, and they want you to do Brutus and Julius Caesar. Really? Yeah. So, wait, who, like someone just came to you from Chicago and a said, friend, we need friend. you yeah. to yeah. be Brutus. Yeah. You're- so I, I went back trying to give false pledges that the affair with the girl was over with. And all. To who? My folks. What were they, were they met? What, she wasn't Jewish? What was the problem? That she wasn't Jewish, yeah. And that was the problem? Yeah. Remember the old days? Kinda. Yeah. So I went back and I did uh, I did Brutus and became more disenchanted with her than I thought I had been. And uh, stayed on in Chicago and did all kinds of jobs there. I sold over the phone. I sold shoes. 
But you were acting still. Whenever I could at the university. But not you weren't enrolled anymore? No. You were just doing plays? Yeah, you could do that. You could? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my last production for the regular theater, which was Antigone... God, you were uh, doing heavy shit. Susan Sontag was his many. Really? Yeah. She had two lines, I think. But uh, She went a different direction. Didn't she? Yeah. I guess you could say I fucked up. How? As Crayon in Antigone. Mm-hmm. And uh, opened on a Friday night. And then we had a Saturday and a matinee and a Sunday and a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So just before the matinee on Saturday, the uh, director of the university theater comes down into the dressing room and he says, he wanted to meet with us. Mm-hmm. And he turns to each one of them. He says, you stunk this way, you stunk that way, you stunk this way, you stunk that way. And then he said, all because of him pointing at me. Mm-hmm. I evidently had shouted my way through the play. I'm, I'll admit that's possible. <laughs> but that I forced everybody else to shout in turn and mm. ruined the play. So I pulled myself back for the Saturday night and the Sunday performance. Uh-huh. And I was then exiled from that particular group. Then another rebel group was forming from exiles and, and those who didn't like that director. A rebel theater group. Yes. Yes. To perform in Idenoise Hall. Mm-hmm. And my first, uh, my first play was um, Man of Destiny, George Bernard Shaw. Mm-hmm. And they were going to do uh, uh, Androcles and the Lion. Uh-huh. And Mike Nichols was going to be Caesar. So they need a little curtain raiser for Androcles. Yeah. So they decided to do a 15-minute playlet by William Butler Yeats uh-huh. called Purgatory. Yeah. And I played the old man in that, and Mike Nichols directed it. So that was his first time directing? Yeah, I And think you so. were it? I was it. And did you guys remain friends? We were never really... We, we were acquaintances. He, he was in the Compass Players, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he was there at the beginning of that. Were you there? Of course. Was that the theater? Was that the Renegade Theater Group that uh, that formed? Is that what became? Well, a lot of that. Uh-huh. Um, Paul Sills was a uh, member of that Renegade Group. Uh huh. And um, while I was in France, stationed in France during the Korean War, I, a couple of weeks before I, I uh, mustered out home, I got a letter from Paul Sills saying. Um, Listen, we're going to start a theater here. We're going to do classics and uh, and a, go- a new plays. Come join us. And my life fell into place. Wait, and what was that called? Playwrights Theater Club in Chicago. In How Chicago. long were you in the service? Two years. Did you get? Uh, did you see action? Not in France. Yeah, they didn't know oh, that was the. That's I the saw first. a different kind of action. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn how to speak French? <laughs> Enough. Oh, you take me for the fool? <laughs> so you go back and you're in. You're doing plays with these guys. How how long were you there for with them? Two years. Okay, so you did two years, and then, then what happens? You're like, I'm going to where? Well, I got great reviews. Paul was starting Compass then. Right. With David Shepard, his partner at Playwrights. 
And I, I didn't feel a nice Jewish boy would be doing improv. So I decided to take my great rave reviews. As an actor? Mm-hmm. So you know, say they were going for improv theater. Mm-hmm. That's what the Compass Players were. People's Theater, they wanted. Uh, so it wasn't comedy necessarily. It was yeah, just a, it did turn out. Well, Mike and Elaine came right. out of there. And Shelley Berman was there, too. Shelley right? Berman. Yeah. Mike and Elaine. Shelley Berman, uh, Barbara Harris. Uh-huh. But not Ed Asner. No, no. I later, when they... Um, when they came to California as Second City uh-huh. uh, to do their first uh, performance in California, uh, because I was such an old acquaintance, I, I worked out with them and had a lot of fun. And then when they had their 25th anniversary, they invited me to participate. Do you like doing improv? Yeah. It's yeah. fun, right? We're doing it now, aren't we? Yeah. I yeah. think I, 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 I'd like to think I am. Mm-hmm. I'm on mm-hmm. it. So where'd you go after Chicago? Well, I went to New York. I, I, I ran off to show my reviews to the uh, producers and agents of New York. How'd that go? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> what they didn't they didn't give you a they didn't say Broadway is yours. Well, I went I went to see Carmen Capalbo and Stanley Chase. We had done a pirated version of Three Penny Opera, mm-hmm. so I was supposed to understudy the police chief. Yeah, and then Leon announced that he was going to leave for a Broadway touring company. And I said, oh, shit. Right. I said, well, well we were friendly. Uh, he said, well, it's my role, because Peachum was my role. And, and he said, I'll, I'll give my notice a, a week earlier and tell them, recommend them that they try you out for Peachum. So he did that. I auditioned for it for the guys. and. They brought me in as Peachum, and I did it for about two and a half years. Where, and where was that? Where is it on Broadway? Theater Delice. Yeah, yeah, the Lortel Theater. Now. So it was. Uh, so it was, it was. That was spectacular, right? Was I? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And you had a good, and it got you in. Mm-hmm. You established yourself. I was making sixty-five dollars a week. That ain't every nothing. Goddamn week. Yeah, yeah. It's How'd nothing. your parents feel about that? Well, they didn't. They didn't make any comment. They they knew I was supporting myself, though. That's all it counted. Yeah. And when did you uh, when did you start doing television? I was doing television. You could do television if you gave them a sufficient notice. So you're doing some television in New York. Working my way up in television. Live television, yeah. probably. Well, it was the Sunday morning shows. Camera three, lamp to my feet. What What would you do? Like what were the classics? Role? Classics. Really? Oh yeah. So you were doing uh, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Greeks, mm-hmm. Yeah. on yeah. television, yeah. live. On Sunday morning. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Does that footage exist? Well, I'll go look. All right. But when did you start to, so what What were the, the rungs of the well, ladder? Well, my first camera three yeah. was uh, uh, a, a compilation uh-huh. of, of, um, of Elizabethan poetry, etc., <laughs> And I, and and Jackie Brooks and I were playing the old lovers, uh-huh. and a girl named Sharon Follett and George Papard were playing the young lovers. George Papard, Banachek. Yeah. Oh. So that was my, my my first show on Sunday morning. And when did you start sort of defining yourself in roles that you felt were a little more contemporary? In that, because I mean, you were, you know. You're a monumental figure. 
Oh, in television. <laughs> but like you're very specifically you. And I have to assume that in the classics, I mean, you were, I'm sure you're amazing at it. But at some point you, you started to chisel away get a little more. Uh, My first big, big opening was with uh, Burt Leonard and Marion Doherty with Route 66. Okay. They hired me to do a Route 66 in Grand Isle, Louisiana, where Bruce Dern and I played Israeli secret agents. Bruce Dern? Yeah. And we were there because we had gotten word that there was a suspect Nazi working on one of the oil crews. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we came down there and we investigated and um, found out. And Lou Ayers was the suspected Nazi. Uh-huh. And we investigated and found out that it wasn't him. It was somebody else in the crew. So I spent three days in Grand Isle and uh, insufferable heat and mosquitoes. And that started me with uh, Marion Doherty and Burt Leonard. You were all just young actors at some point, and, yeah. you know, cutting your teeth. Was Dern intense then? Well, he was wild and crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you so you move out here when? What's 1960 what? One. Two? One. One? Mm-hmm. And you've been here ever since? Mm-hmm. But you do a lot of television. Well, I have, yeah. I mean, from the beginning, because most people know you from Mary Tyler Moore, but you were you were doing episodics. You were doing, mm-hmm. you, you did uh, The Untouchables. Gunsmoke. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, a couple times. Dr. Um, Kildare. Dr. Kildare. It's before I was born. Yeah. Outer Limits. Outer Limits. But so, but you're working like a lot. You're yeah. a working actor. You're in the union. Things are going good. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, were you at that time? Did you want to break into movies? Was that the plan? Well, it, it, yeah, you, you show me the door. Yeah. How did that work? I mean, it took a while for you to get into movies. Well, I I, I did an early movie which Jeff Bridges. I think it was Jeff Bridges. Was the star of Calvin Lockhart was the star. Uh-huh. Um, and that didn't go anywhere. I played a, a high school math teacher or something. I don't know. And then, um, and then in '65, uh, yeah, uh, Howard Hawks hired me for El Dorado. Yeah, and I went to Tucson and had a marvelous time with. Um, Taking my family there, and I discovered Tucson. I discovered John Wayne and, and uh, Robert Mitchum. And uh, you guys were hanging out. No, Mitchum and I did some. Not Wayne. No. How was Mitchum as a guy? He's a wild. Another one. Another wild man. Black-hearted. Yeah. Creature. <laughs> uh, he wanted more than anything to be a writer. Really. Yeah. And he was just stuck being a movie star. Yeah, it's all tough, tough break. Too bad. Man. Yeah, right. But Howard Hawks <laughs> was that was that uh, an amazing day to be working with that guy? Yeah, he was lovely. Yeah. yeah. So all through this, but uh, well, I guess what I, I guess what's amazing, and I don't think that people really realize all the time, is just that when you work as an actor, when when I mean, you really worked. You were you were like it seems like every you must have been working every month, every week. Well, that's that's the thing that killed me. We arrived in L.A. Yeah, in, in labor on Memorial Day. Yeah, of '61, and I then proceeded to get jobs from my agent. I was lucky to have yeah uh, Jack Fields, mm-hmm. and in that uh, seven months, I made more money than I'd ever made 
any year in New York. Yeah. The six years I spent in New York. So I, I felt we were blessed. And then by, by 62, we moved into a house. Well, this is house. with your first wife. Yeah. How many kids did you have? Three. Yeah. Yeah. And you moved into a house, mm-hmm. and you you were you, I guess you you were a type. You were the Ed Asner type. People wanted you. Yeah, I suppose so. How old were you when Mary Tyler Moore uh, happened? Uh, that was uh, seventy, I think. And how did that I come about? Forty one. Well, how old? Forty uh, one. I think so. Yeah. And you'd already had a whole life of fucking acting already. Yeah. Like, I can't, like, like it's all these shows that, like, I remember from when I was a kid, you know, Mission Impossible, Ironside. It's crazy, man. Why is it crazy? The Mod Squad. Because, like, you know, like, if you were, if, if someone was to show me a reel of your, of your, your small parts, you mm-hmm. know, leading up to, it, it would be fascinating to me because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of times we didn't have the opportunity. I would not have had the opportunity to retroactively look at your career. Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's like, there he is, that's Mr. Grant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there's 20 years before that Mm -hmm. to look at all that work. Yeah. Do you consider a lot of that work uh, stuff you're you're proud of, or were you just working? Oh, yeah. I don't like to denigrate. I I don't like to think in terms of take the money and run. Right. I I like to make something out of whatever I do. Right, sure. Uh, and there were good roles in there. The, the Route 66 has always had promise. Yeah. I had a, did a dilly of a one on my way out to California, but it was a good show. And you love doing it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So how'd you get the Mary Tyler Moore part? How was that? How'd that evolve? Well, I, I guess they, um, they had been doing some checking on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producers asked uh, Ethel Winan, who was vice president in charge of talent mm-hmm. can Ed Asner do comedy and she said he can do anything and and she didn't know yeah I mean the only thing I'd done for her was nothing yeah I garnished and Grant Tinker was at 20th and he touted me to uh-huh. the guys I came in and I read so you were a known guy you were a go-to guy as an actor uh, yeah, I yeah. Was, I was one of them yeah and I I read Lou for them and uh at the end of it, uh, Jim Brooks said, well, that's a very intelligent reading. And I, as dumb as I am, I said, yeah, yeah, it, very intelligent, but not funny. And, yeah. So he said, when we have you back to read with Mary, we want you to read it, Wiggy Wild, Fall Out, you know, crazy. I know what the hell he's talking about. You didn't? No. Uh, so I said, okay, okay. I started to walk out, and I turned back to them. And I said, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, why don't you let me try it that way now? And if I don't do it, don't have me back. <laughs> they never heard anything like that before. Right. And I had never said anything like that before. But they said, well, we have another appointment, but all right, go ahead. So I read it like a Meshuggahner. Yeah. And they laughed. Yeah. They laughed. And at the end of it, they said, read it just like that with Mary. <laughs> I came back a week or so later to read with Mary. And I kept saying, what did I do? What did I do? How did I do it? What did we do? Uh-huh. Started reading, and I read it like Meshuggahner. And at the end, uh, they laughed. They laughed again. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, said, thank you. We'll be talking to you. And when I left the room, Mary then turned to the boys and said, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Brooks said, that's your Lou Grant. Uh-huh. Are you sure? Jim Brooks, how old was he? 12? Probably. Yeah. 
And when you say Meshuggah, I mean, like, in my recollection of, of that work that you did, I mean, yeah, he was uh, a big character, but yeah. not crazy. Well, you know, it's, it's that bit about, you know what? <laughs> you got spunk. And she, <laughs> she diddles the shit on the floor. Yeah, and yeah. I hate spunk. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so that, that was the wild and crazy part. So funny. Uh, Is it like that was a funny moment just now? Yeah. Now, did you... Uh, I like spunk, though. You do? Yeah. Were you a spunky guy? No, I'm not. Not at all? No, I, I, I took years to build it up. Oh, really? It was a learned thing, <laughs> the spunk. It is. But did you grow to... Lo- I have to assume that that set, because you know, it was like one of those things my mother would watch and I would sit there uh, you know, at the foot of the bed watching that you know, it, w- it was such a... An amazing ensemble and was you know so important to so many people. Did you grow to love that show? Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was, a, it was a, the Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. It's so much comedy. Yeah. Where did all that generate from? Did you? How did that? You just began to work together like uh, comedically. It did, it did take a little time. Well, the two producers had great taste. They had a good casting director. Jay Sandrich was our director primarily, uh-huh. and he uh, he had uh, excellent comic knowledge. It's and just it's fascinating though. Does it fascinate you in retrospect? Yeah, but then then we went on and did an hour show of Lou Grant, and I think the cast we had there was as good, if not sure, uh, better. That was a great show. Yeah, both of them lasted a good many years. Well, twelve years total for uh, for both of them. Mm-hmm. People loved that Lou Grant character. Mm. Do they still mm. come up to you now? Oh yeah, and say yeah. Lou Grant. He's he's the avuncular person that people always want. I you know I I like I I think you're uh, hilarious. Oh yeah, but you know that right? When did you think that? Immediately uh-huh. when you said when you where cast the, me as your father in that Fablunge the pilot. Yeah, did? and then when you got out of the car here in the driveway and said, "Oh, where the fuck am I?" I think uh-huh. yeah, it was. Well, that look at the neighborhood for Christ's where sake. Where do you live? Oh, you would really think you had died and gone to heaven. Really? Yeah. Got a beautiful place? Yeah, we rent. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. In an apartment or a no, house? A house, yeah. So you don't own the house anymore? Got rid of that one? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Yeah? It's easier to I, rent? I, I let my wife have it. The first wife? Second. The second one? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been married three no, times? No, twice. Okay. She's the one who's suing me. Yeah, yeah. They they don't. They you know after it's done, someone's not nice usually. Yeah, no. it never it never no, ends. No. I'm sorry it, you're going it, through that. It, no, no, no. It's all part of the life spectrum. But like, let's back in the career thing. After Mary Tyler Moore, again, you did another you know forty years of work, fifty years. It's so, a, you you you've worked more than anyone I've ever seen. Oh well. It's amazing. Yeah. I remember seeing you in JFK and thinking like, holy shit, Ed Asner, scary. Mm-hmm. That was a heavy fart. That was a heavy part. What did you say? It's a heavy fart, Ed. <laughs> that got you? That was a heavy <laughs> fart. What a fart that it was. It was a heavy fart, all right. Yeah, yeah. it was. Well, and uh, Jack Lemon had the scratches on his face to prove it. Oh, that's right. Was that the first time you worked with him? No, we had worked on Broadway together. When was that? I was in 60. Really? Yeah, Face of a Hero. 
Albert Decker, Betsy Blair, Sandy Dennis, Russell Collins, Roy Poole. Did a lot of theater, Ed. Ellen Holly. I did before. Yeah, yeah, before. Not not since I came to Hollywood. Now, when you when okay, so then in 1960 you work with Jack Lemmon, then you work with him in JFK. Had you seen him since? I don't recall. Like I always assume that people have these moments where they're like, "Oh my God, how are you?" Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You know, we had a we had a um, a great director for Face of a Hero, Sandy McKendrick. The night of the cocktail party before rehearsals began, he he said, a "Lovely reading," I, I think. and uh, he said, "Of course, you can't be that funny." <laughs> and I, oh well, he's the right director; he'll take care of me. Yeah. Well, he so militated against anything I might do that was funny. He eventually had me doing my role with my back to the audience. Why? Because he didn't want me to be funny. Why? And the character could only have been written for two reasons, to be funny and to commit perjury uh-huh. as part of the plot. Yeah. So I I suffered through that goddamn show. Years later, I don't know where I, I ran into Maybe it was with uh, JFK. Yeah, Jack. And uh, and I you know, made some comments complaining... Uh, about McKendrick's direction. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, 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 no. I I knew we were in trouble when I was on stage. And and I looked over in the wings, and there he was, and he was visualizing the camera shot he was going to shoot from the wings uh-huh. as director, and he was visualizing the camera. So he forgot about he was play. directing a play. So that brought Jack and me close together. Did you like working with Oliver Stone? Yeah. He was good. The, Oliver was funny. Yeah. Uh, we'd go along and I'd and we'd rehearse and and I'd think about something, think about something, lining up a shot. Yeah. And I said I'd say, you know, what if I change this word or change this line to that? Mm-hmm. And if he didn't have time to think about it he said yeah sure fine go ahead yeah but if he if there was too much time yeah before we were ready to shoot he'd come back finally and he said no i don't i don't think so yeah keep keep it the way yeah but so he had to sneak it in but if i got him if i got him without a lot of time he'd always buy the changes you're doing a lot of voice work now and that was the the up movie was a big deal yeah do you enjoy doing that I love it. Yeah, right. It's easy. I love voiceover. Right? That has nothing to do with easy, but I. I uh, but I it's feel exciting like to I see. I can do a, as good a job with just the voice, right? Without having to walk, <laughs> right? I don't have to shave. That's right. I just I just did a, an angry raccoon today earlier today. You did? Yeah, I was an angry Ooh. raccoon. They, Where can we see this raccoon? This would be on Nickelodeon. Uh-huh. This would be on uh, the Harvey Beaks cartoon. It's a new uh, Nickelodeon show. I don't know. That yeah, show. no, they, they, you know, who knows yeah. what, what's going on on television anymore. Well, it's nice that you're gainfully employed. I do okay. Yeah. This thing does okay out of the garage. Yeah. That show that you and I did, it, it became a show. It's uh, third season started. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going? A, yeah. So who ended up being your father? Judd Hirsch. Oh my God! What do you? What, you were doing a play. I know, I know. I didn't run down. I, Judd Hirsch is a fine actor. He is. Oh, he's good. He can be a pain in the ass, but I, <laughs> I, 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 
doing fine. How many how many episodes you make per season? We did uh we did ten that first season, then thirteen the second season, then thirteen this season. Good. It was yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's it's an interesting time now that when you were on television in the seventies, you know, you only had three options. And now you got to, you know, you got hundreds of options. It's yeah. interesting, the, the landscape. And it's more chaotic than ever. Yeah. It, it, it's just, you know, how our something... lives are not made better or simpler, I don't think. Absolutely not. I don't think so at all. Yeah. And we just adapt to it without even thinking about it's it. Does it exhaust you? Yeah. It yeah. does? I haven't figured out all the aspects of my cell phone. No, there's no figuring it all out. Oh, some people do. That's all they do because they live and sleep and die with it. Yeah, but you just learn to do the three things or four that's things or five right, things you need. That's right. That's right. So now, you never stop working. Is that do you, do, you, do you not? Is that why I'm so rich? Yeah, you're just filthy rich. Oh my god! <laughs> now, how much? How much do you need? I'm okay. I just want you to be happy. Oh yeah, well, make me rich. When now, what about the uh, when you were head of the union? Well, how did that come about? What made you decide to do that? Well, I had campaigned vigorously for the rebels of the union. This is after, right? No, SAG. You were the head of SAG. Yeah, because I I was the the uh, the head of Lou Grant, mm-hmm. and I spoke well on the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decided to run me as their candidate against Bill Schallert, who was a good president, but they wanted to do better. Right. And I defeated him. Was that exciting? Yeah, I guess because I was going into waters, I certainly didn't have charted. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, how was that experience? What did you? What were you hoping to accomplish? Learning on the job. Yeah. Learning how your friends can be as punishing if not more so than your enemies so what was the day-to-day thing what were you fighting for what's the job of a union head or uh well as as always you know you fight for minority rights you fight for senior citizens greater inclusion so did you feel like you accomplished something in that position well uh, the membership certainly seemed to like me and Mm -hmm. and speak favorably of my presidency uh, but what the union has become is uh, Drek. Yeah, have they all become Drek? A uh, lot of them, probably. probably. What? Do you, why? Why do you think that's happened? Because I know you. You, you know you're. A, you know you're a fighter. Mm. You fight the good fight. What do you think? Well, happening? merger was a mistake. Yeah, because they didn't. They, I mean, we we had studied merger after 1980. We studied merger. Uh-huh. And merger would be fine if you can achieve uh, uh, the 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 merger of of uh, health and welfare. Right. But if you can't merge those plans and and uh, and uh, I forget what the term is, gain acceptance uh-huh. of say your work and after and get credit for it with your. SAG medical plan. If you can't do those things, you're losing out all the time. And it's the same way with pension. Why shouldn't the pensions be merged? Right. Find the way to do it. Right. To coalesce. Right. And they didn't do it. Yeah. And what they've got now is a mishmash. Right. Yeah, you just kind of get covered in whatever you make the money. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Did you ever have any aspirations to politics? People thought I did when I was... uh, uh, 
when I got outspoken on Central America, uh-huh. they thought I was trying to follow in Reagan's footsteps. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, no, I never read it. I always found that the uh, the actor who stayed the actor and spoke out probably achieved more clout than a politician. Than a politician, and 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 certainly it's much more rewarding financially to leave acting and become a politician because those babies certainly receive great benefits. <laughs> yeah, they do. Say uh, and uh, security detail, depending on how high up you get. Well. They should have security details. I'd like like to knock a few of them in the head. Yeah. So what? Uh, in looking back on the whole uh, the whole endeavor, the life, what? Because uh, I just like I, I I look at the resume and you work so much. Are there things that you look back on and think like Jesus Christ, that was fucking amazing? Mm. Like do you do like sit and reflect at all? No, you don't. No, I didn't think so. Done, I'm, right? I'm waiting for the next job. Yeah? Well, yeah. it looks like you got a lot going on. What are you doing? Well, a man and his prostate certainly has a lot of promise to it. And you, But yeah, that's going to get you on the road, right? Not necessarily. I mean, I, who knows? Maybe we can film it. Maybe we can get it in a stage in New York. And, uh, and just hang, hang out for I a mean, while look, and do it? Look, look at the mileage love letters got, Yeah, for God's sake. And you still you, you like working. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you? Yes. But sometimes I wonder, would it be nice to sit down? Well, I, I think I'm, I've become too keyed up and geared up to sit down. I've really got to go through a long, uh, dry run of practicing sitting down. Yeah. You just There was never part of your... your no. Just no. keep moving. Yeah. How old are your children now, all of them? Well, I've got boy girls twins who are 51. Unbelievable. Yeah. And their younger sister is about 48. Yeah. And then I got my 27 year old in uh, Connecticut. Yeah? Yeah. You get along good with all of them? I try to. Yeah? Yeah. uh, And you got grandkids? Seven. How's that? It's great? It's all right. Come on! I don't, I don't, I don't uh, you know, drop my pants at the joy of grandkids. Yeah, they're just, they're just another sperm order fulfilled. <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't fill with love in your heart. No. But, uh, no. I try to be give them a fair shake. Let's put it that way. Okay. How old are they? They like my age. They're from fifteen to about four. Four, fifteen to four mm. are the grandkids. Mm-hmm. Do they have a sense of uh, who you are? I guess so. I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. You have any joy in your life, Ed? Well, yeah, but she's not around right now. <laughs> you gonna be seeing her later? Yeah. When she comes back from the ashram. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Is that where she is? Mm-hmm. Do you keep in touch with any actors that you worked with? I mean, are any of your friends actors? Yeah, Peter Jason is a good yeah. friend. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, and now all of a sudden I'm just concerned about your life. Do you play cards? Do you sit and do... I do play cards at Norby Walters uh, yeah. once a month or two. When you play poker? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. What do you do for uh, exercise? I uh, spend a half hour on the um, elliptical. Okay. And do some push-ups. And, do you? Yeah. All right. 
And what uh, you don't want to fuck with me? No, I I never no. wanted to fuck. I knew that yeah. when we acted together in that yeah. brief uh, yeah. in that brief uh, capacity. Right. I knew I didn't want to fuck with you. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, do you do the JF uh, the uh, the FDR thing anymore? Or is that done? I'm going to do it in uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. For how long? In October, one night. Oh, okay. As Rush Limbaugh's hometown, I'm going to find out what the roots are to. Rush Limbaugh. To the monster? What do you think it is? He said, Well, I, I heard a story a long time ago that initially he was on radio right. spouting a liberal format. Probably. And that they came to him and they said, this ain't going to sell. Yeah. He said, okay, I'll switch. Yeah. He's a showboat. Yeah. There's all, you know, there are evil clowns <clears throat> and there are good clowns. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But you probably remember, like, you know, like, what was radio like when you were younger? When you I were, loved it. I loved it. When you were trying to yeah. get into it. NBC, Univers- I didn't try to get into radio. I never did. Well, you did some in high school, and you did a little bit. I know, but I wasn't trying to get into it. Oh, okay. NBC University, Theater of the Air. Yeah. Escape was another great show. Yeah. That's where I first heard Leinigan versus the Ants. Yeah. Oh, God, was that great. William Conrad was the uh, narrator. Yeah. And they had little bugles blowing every time the ants marched. You loved it. Oh, loved the theater it. of the mind. Yes, yes. So that was when you were a kid, you were listening to that. Mm-hmm. Like, what other things do you remember around that? The radio. Well, the Screen Actors Guild uh, Presents. Uh-huh. Uh, Lux Radio. Yeah. Uh, I thought there were a lot of actors in radio, weren't there? Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. That's true. I used to listen to the Eternal Light. Uh huh. I don't know if you they 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 were playing when you were, and so when I first started out, I got a. Um, I was still in New York. Yeah. And um, I went to see the guy who cast Eternal Light. So yeah. He said, "Yeah, yeah, I forget what his name was." So uh, they they cast me on a couple, and one of them. And this was memorable for me. I played one of Moses's generals, uh-huh. and the other generals were Louis Van Ruten, Alexander Scorby, Norman Rose. Uh, I can't remember yeah. the others, but five biggest names in radio. Yeah, in America. Yeah. And I was the sixth, yeah. and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. To me, it was more important than any play or or uh, yeah. film, and whoever was in it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Being with these guys, to me, was the mark of success. Yeah. Was it a great feeling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, Scorby and Norman Rose. Yeah. Did you ever see the Russian War and Peace? Mm-mm. Norman Rose was the narrator of it. It's the most beautiful narration you ever heard. And Scorby, it goes without saying, was always great. Was yeah. that the only time you really felt that, where you're like, these are my heroes? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel it with John Wayne, naturally. And, uh, Hawks, though. Um, Hawks, I, you know, I respect, but he... I mean, he's distant. He's the director. Yeah, sure. So, John Wayne, he didn't love. Well, I, he was hard not to love because he's such a scoundrel. Yeah. 
but uh, I was uh, too deeply geared in leftist uh, identification to. Uh, but he he ended up treating me okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you missed the yeah. I mean you you missed a blacklist in Hollywood. No, I I I became part of it my own. Let's say yeah. After I took my stand on El Salvador, uh, you felt uh, ostracized. Uh, blacklisted. Really? Yeah. But then that was in the what the seventies or eighties. Eighty. Uh, it was nineteen eighty. Yeah. And what was your position? Exactly. Well, that this government had to stop providing arms to the repressive government of El Salvador, who were killing uh, farmers yeah. and people that uh, they regarded as poor scum, who undoubtedly had to be communists. And that, uh, and that, you felt that 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 got you blacklisted. Well, I I was a spokesman for medical aid for El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And people thought I was giving union money to them, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And they thought that I was uh, aligning myself with what uh, probably was a communist-inspired uh, um, uh, opposition. I can remember the first big announcement we gave was in Washington, mm-hmm. at a, a press conference. And... Um, I had always played it careful, you know, yeah. not, not to, not to step on my wang, mm-hmm. and uh, um, if only I could. Um, the um, the uh, so so that um, uh, because I was the spokesman, and and the others who were with me, who were also actors, uh, uh, the first questions automatically went to me. Right. So the second question I got was from a cable reporter. He said, you say you're in favor of free elections in El Salvador. Well, I suppose those elections turn out a communist government. And I thought, bam! Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you come all this way and, and you successfully avoided being pegged and here you got to deliver. And I gave some wimpish answer to him, moved on to the next guy, gave an answer that I could get away with with him and was so plagued with guilt that I'd come all this way, come all this time, and I was going to not be up front with who I am and what I was doing. And I said, I wasn't satisfied with my answer to you. All I can say to you is that if it's the government the people of El Salvador choose, let them have it. And... Nothing was ever reminded to me of that answer. But I felt from that point on, my career was dead. For how long? Oh, several years. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Did you feel like you lost friends over that? I don't know, but if they if if they were friends and they left me because of that statement then they can go to hell so but but mostly in 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 terms of like if you felt like you were blacklisted it was fear of the studios aligning themselves with a communist sympathizer or a politically lefty actor i I found two instances yeah i eventually gave a gave a uh during this blacklist I, i gave a an interview in washington to see where i happened to be for some reason right and in it, I said that that in a blacklist, 
your liberals join in on that just as much as your conservatives. Oh, yeah? Because the director, the producer, will, will, they won't allow their conscience to say, no, he's a commie. What they'll say is, no, he's too fat or... <laughs> He's too gray, or right. he's he's overexposed. <laughs> right. Yeah, think up some euphemism uh-huh. to not hire me. Right, uh, but they would never say he's a commie. Right. So I I said that on that, and and and, and it's, it's what happens. And I gave two instances, and one was a producer, who one would think was was a was a liberal. Howard Rodman wrote a script for him for uh-huh. a new series after. Yeah after Lou Grant was canceled. And he suggested me for the senior doctor. And the producer said, no, I think he'd be a political liability. Well, that's straight. That's straight, yes. But it's... It's blacklisted. It's blacklisted. Right. Yeah. Right. And then uh, a little while longer, and uh, I got a job offer in uh, Connecticut, I think, or, or Boston, I don't know for some um, uh, network uh, documentary. And the first day the producer invited me to launch. He said, you know why you're here? I said, no. You, you gave an interview about six months ago, a year ago, on about blacklisting. And I said, yeah. And he said, that's why you're here. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I had, I had another documentary that I put you down for and submitted your name along with others to the uh, to the uh, company. And the list came back, and there was a red line through your name. Mm. I said, and I knew why, but I didn't do anything. And that's why you're here now. To make it right. Yeah. Well, you survived that storm. You weathered it. You stood well, there, your ground. There, there, there's still people out there who probably wouldn't want to hire me because they think I'm a coming. But you're not a commie. I don't know. I'm not. But I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're alive, man. Me too. And it was great talking to you. Good being with you. <laughs>